Hello and welcome to the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. Wellspring Tabernacle is a Bible-based Trinitarian Christian church in Marble, North Carolina. We seek to impact our community through preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and may God bless. When you're about to hear is very special. My dad is preparing daily to make the crossing into eternity. And rather than wait until his funeral to tell others about the hope he has in Christ, we had a special service tonight to do just that. May God bless you and the Lord strengthen you through this sermon. We thank you for being here tonight. Glad to be in God's house, even if it's technically not in a church house. The church is a body of gathered out believers, and here we are gathered out, believing and trusting in Christ. Um, Going to be a little bit different than, than what one would usually preach. Facing what we're facing as a family, why I've had a long time to, since I started preaching, why I've, I've thought long and hard about what I might say when my parents passed away. Um, it's just part of it. You know, you, you think about those things. might seem strange, but that's one of the things that preachers get to think about. Um, it's often said to give flowers to the living because they can't enjoy them while they're gone. And there's a mountain of truth in that statement. And I believe that much can be said about preaching. Um, we, and we do this too often we do th- we do this exact thing we wait until someone's gone from this world to say something um, you know I've, I myself have said you know well I wish that I'd taken more time to do this or to say this but um, don't wait until someone dies to for the preachers that's here, I know there's more than just me here, but don't wait until someone dies to preach about that person. Don't wait until they die to preach to that person. Preach for them and to them while they're still alive. And I know exactly the kind of church and the kind of preaching that my dad enjoys. And until he makes the crossing, that's exactly what we're going to have here this evening. Um, you know, I would rather be here and him be, what how, What a joy would it be, I was talking to Miss Rita earlier this evening, and I said, what a joy would it be for him to go from being surrounded in the presence of God here to being in his presence there. How wonderful would that be? I'm, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen tonight, but I'm just, you know, that's the, that's the where, my, where my mind's at. But a few weeks ago, Malia asked me and her mama a question. And at the time she asked me this question, I didn't know the answer. She asked me and her mama and her grandma, she said, why does Poppy have to die? Why can't Jesus just make him better? And now when a three-year-old asks you a question like that, um, it, it makes you think. And that's exactly what I've done since she asked that question. Why do people have to die? Why doesn't Jesus just heal them on this side and let their families continue to enjoy them on this side of eternity? The answer to that question, and I didn't, and it was strange. I'd never thought about it that way. 
I'd never thought about this before, but the answer to her question of why does why do people have to die? Why doesn't God just heal them on this side? Is because if that were to happen, and I believe that God heals on this side. I don't get me wrong. I believe that fervently. I've seen it too many times to not believe it but if the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die after which is the judgment for every one of us in here if time goes on for another hundred years from the smallest on up to the oldest we're all going to meet death there's an appointed time for each one of us to die and if doctors are right, and if God does not do a miracle, and I believe that He can, my dad's soon going to meet his appointed time to die. But why is it that God can't bring him up out of that bed? It's because of the hope of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 and verse 19, Paul says, if we have hope in this life only in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. And I've heard that verse quoted. I've heard it said different times, but I never really truly understood it until just earlier this afternoon. And it was like a bomb went off in my spirit. If you go back and you read 1 Corinthians 15, there was a bunch in the Corinthians church that had, a, that had a problem. They thought that people that had already died weren't going to rise again. And Paul goes to them and he, he writes to them and he tells them, he says, listen, he said, I know that the dead are going to rise because Christ rose again. And if Christ didn't rise again, then our faith and our preaching's in vain. But we know that Christ is the first fruits of them that are dead. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. And he goes on, and, and if y'all want to read along with me, you can. It's quite a bit of reading here tonight, but the Bible says, starting in verse 35 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, But some men will say, How are the dead raised up, and with what, with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened. That word quickened means made alive or brought to life, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that, that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it a body, and it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. I'll flesh is not the same flesh but there's one kind of flesh of men another flesh of beasts, another of fishes and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the celestial is another. That there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in in corruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first with which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are, such are they also that are earthy. As is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth 
corruption inherit incorruption. Now, you listen to these last few verses here. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, listen to these next two verses. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible, listen to this, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Alright, now I couldn't possibly expound everything in this chapter, so I'm going to give you a little synopsis of what brings us to the text that we're in. Alright, Paul in verses 1-11, through 11, he preaches the gospel to the Corinthian church afresh. He says, I give to you that that I first received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He rose again according to the Scriptures. Alright? Then in verses 12 through 34, He moves His focus to the resurrection of believers and how those who believed on Christ will one day rise again. And then in the text we've just read, verses 35 to 54, we find the answer to my daughter's question. Alright? Of why is it that people have to die? Why does God not just make them better? Alright, well first of all, I want to remind you that Jesus said in John 11 when Lazarus had died, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Alright, but in verses 35 and through 41, Paul shares with us how believers are raised from the dead. He describes the body as a type of a seed and it heralds back to what Jesus said in John, that if a seed was never planted, that it would abide alone. But he said, lest a corn of wheat fall in the ground and die, it'll not bring forth fruit. So it's got to go with a seed's got to go into the ground and it ceases to exist. Alright? This body that we live in has to die for the spirit within us to fruit out or to become glorified. Alright? Then in verses 42 and 44, he drops some of the most awesome power-packed truth in all the Bible. And if you're not shouting yet, you will be in a minute. Alright? He says in these verses, it is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. The corruption, dishonor, and weakness of sin brings on natural death. Alright? The Bible says in Romans that death is the penalty for sin. Alright? It says for us by one man Adam, sin came into the world and death by sin, so death passed unto all men for all have sinned. Alright? That sin is a corruption. It's a weakness. It's something that we cannot get rid of that will only be ridded from us in death. Alright? But then in death the seed of our natural body is planted then from the moment we take our last breath here the incorruption glory and power of the hope of the gospel raises us to where Jesus is to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord is what the Bible says the hope of Christ raises us without that corruption the hope of the gospel raises us without that weakness it's no wonder that Paul said in this very passage that we we were 
are going to be changed in the moment of the twinkling of an eye when the Lord returns. All right, And in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, those of us who are alive will not prevent them which are asleep, but the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the moment, the twinkling of an eye, and there shall we ever be with the Lord. All right? Now, but I want you to look at something right here real quick. All right? We have not been born, the Bible says, of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. All right? We've not born, we've not, and we not born of corrupt but of incorruptible glory and power so why why is it that Christians have to die because as Paul says in the remainder of the text he says I show you a mystery we'll not all sleep but we'll be changed in a moment the twinkle of an eye at the last trump for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality So and so when when that happens when this corruption when this sin sickened flesh body puts on incorruption and this mortal has to shed and fall away for immortality to take hold then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory alright now what does that exactly mean that death is going to be swallowed up in victory for those of us that have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation you go read the book of Revelation he said lo I am he that was dead and I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death let me tell you something friend the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross it says that he descended into the heart of the earth and he preached to the captives that were there and then three glorious days later he came out and the Bible says that he led captivity captive I'm going to tell you something you may have heard it before I don't know but back in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan tempted Eve and caused her and Adam to fall into sin he took something that wasn't his he took the keys of death hell in the grave friend and it took Jesus slowly in the fullness of time the Bible says that when he died he descended into hell and when he got there he took the keys of the death hell and the grave back so now he can say where the saying is written oh grave where's thy victory and oh death where is thy sting alright the last enemy that's going to be defeated is death friend and death is good. Death is, here's the crazy part alright death is defeated defeated by death when those of us that are in Christ die we go to glory never to die again death is swallowed up in victory for death to finally be defeated we must all die whether it be by the way of the grave or here when God comes back this corruption must put on incorruption alright I don't know about none of y'all but I'm not perfect yet alright I've not yet been made shaped and formed into the likeness of Christ enough to be just like he is alright this mortal must put on immortality alright that we are sown in weakness the weakness of death and the weakness of sin is what sows us into the grave but thanks be to God we will be raised in the power of his resurrection and when this corruption has put on incorruption and when this mortal has put on immortality
ready when this weakness has put on. Think about the exchange we're making here. We're trading something that is vile and filthy. It's just like the song says. Said two coats was before me and older than you. I could have either. What must I do? The first one was earthly, so tattered and torn. The other a new one that never been worn. And he, said, I, he said, I asked my master, what must I do? The first man was earthly and made from the ground and we all bore his image. The whole world around. Now, let me tell you something else. Mankind was originally created in the perfection of God. We were made in his image. Alright? When we, when we still do bear the image of God, but that image has been marred by the image of Adam, by the sin of Adam. Alright? We didn't inherit Adam's guilt, but we inherited the, the capacity and the ability to sin from Him. So this corruption has to be traded for incorruption. The weakness of my flesh has got to be traded for the power of His might. And death will be swallowed up in victory. Now, Christina asked me yesterday, was, we, had, we had been over here, and then we went home, and then we come back over here, and we've been over here ever since. But, Christina asked me yesterday if I was okay. All right, you wives, y'all know how you do, asking your husbands if they're all right. And, and what she meant by that was, are, am I dealing... She said, I, she said, I feel like you're not dealing with it and that you're just going to explode and break down one day. And, um, and I explained to her that death doesn't really affect me. And it never has. And I don't know why that is. It just happened. I don't get really, really upset by death. Yes, it hurts. Yeah, I, I miss the person, but I've just never been one to fall apart when somebody dies. I don't know why that is. Only God knows. But what I, the, I couldn't explain why that was yesterday. But today, I can explain that. Alright? We are watching as my dad, who as much as we've butted heads like billy goats, the man has been my best friend for almost 35 years. There's nothing that we've not done together. We've hunted together, we've fished together, we've prayed together, we've worshipped together, we've cried together, we've laughed together, we've been mad and yelled and screamed at one another together, we've butted heads like something crazy, alright, but he has been my best friend. There's never been a time, unless I was out of phone service or, or way, way out of pocket somewhere, that he would call me and I wouldn't answer the phone. And but what we're what we're seeing right now, what each and every person sitting in this room looking at him lying in this bed is seeing, we're seeing the corruption of sin has almost completed its task. I remember something that he told me years ago and I've never forgot it. He said, Everybody in the world's born with a big long rope tied to them. He said, They can't see it. He said, but every time they sin, he said, and he said, on the other end of that rope is death. And he said, every time they sin, they pull death just a little bit closer to them. And, and so finally, that his pulling is almost done. But what, and the, but the reason, like I said, the corruption of sin has almost completed its task and the mortal is almost gone. And the reason I'm not falling apart, and I want you to understand, whenever you, whenever you face what we're facing today, whenever one of your loved ones is if they know who Jesus is, you remember this. Alright? You remember this. 
The reason that I'm not falling apart is because I know that with each breath He takes that weakness is being exchanged for power. Corruption is being traded for incorruption. And in that and in a short time, the mortal is going to be forced to put on immortality. And for that I give God glory and I praise his name because we don't have the hope, we don't have hope in Christ in this life only. We have a hope that Hebrews 6 says is anchored into that which is beyond the veil, whether the forerunner for us is entered. Even Christ Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. What we are watching take place here is a divine exchange of corruption and weakness and mortality and feebleness being exchanged for incorruption and perfection and glorification. And why am I excited about that? And why can I say glory to God in the highest for the hope of a life beyond this one? Is because one day I'm going to stand in a number with my dad that was described in Revelation 7. And if you're in here this tonight and you're saved, you will be too. What John says in Revelation 7, he says, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no one could number, of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes with palms in their hands and they cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb and all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever amen and one of the elders answered saying unto me what are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence came they and I said unto him sir thou knowest and he said to me these are they which came out of great tribulation now notice it does not say the great tribulation it just says great tribulation friend your life on this side of heaven is great tribulation alright so he says they came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb come now Isaiah said come now let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And he said, and I said... He said, Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters and God shall wipe all tears from their eyes. No more sickness. No more sorrow. No more pain. We have hope. And it's not just in this life but in the life to come my hope is anchored in the precious blood of God there is no other fountain so sweet because the Lamb of God has washed away my sin and made me clean and whole again and thanks be to God it's nothing but the blood of Jesus tonight that can give us a hope beyond all hope we live in a world 
where hope is dictated by what political party is in the White House. We live in a world where hope is dictated by the price of gas. We live in a world where hope is dictated by whether the stock market rises or falls. But I'm here to tell you tonight that the only hope we can have and be sure of is the hope that is in knowing Jesus. And I beg you tonight, if you don't know Him, if you're here and you're lost and undone without God and don't know why I'm up here carrying on the way that I am, I beg you, before you leave here, you come to me or come to somebody and we'll take you by the hand and take you to the throne of grace, friend. If you don't know who Jesus is, the Bible said that today is the day of salvation. You can get to know Him. But the hope that we have, see, biblical hope is not like hope. See, down here, we'll say that I hope that I can do this so that I can do that. Biblical hope is an ironclad guarantee. Alright, when you read the word hope in your Bible, it's an ironclad guarantee that this is for sure and for certain that it is going to happen. The hope I have that's the anchor of my soul is both sure and steadfast. I've got an ironclad guarantee in the gospel of John chapter number 1 and to as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God who were born not of the will of man nor the will of the flesh but of the will of God I've got an ironclad guarantee that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved I've got an ironclad guarantee that when I call upon his name and I get born into the family of God that Colossians 1.13 says he hath taken us out of the, he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his son and I thank God tonight that I am hid with God in Christ that I do live and dwell in the secret place of the most high that I am hidden in the cleft of the rock and that every now and then his glory passes over me but one day I'm telling you when that glory passes over you it'll take a little bit of that corruption and a little bit of that weakness out of you. And one day what's going to happen is the more and more of that glory, the more and more Paul said it this way. He said that we're being conformed to the image of His Son. Alright, we're like clay on the potter's wheel and the more that He works us and the more that He molds us and the more that He shapes us, the more like Jesus we become. Alright, and one day we're going to get so much like Jesus and Dad's there. He's getting real close to that place. Alright, that God has shaped him and formed him into the image of his son to the point to where that old mortal body just can't stand it no more. It's going to have to shed. He's going to have to get out of that thing. Alright, because then that corruption will put on incorruption. That mortal must put on immortality. Sown in weakness. Raised in power. There's an old song that uses those words and it says sown in weakness, raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord. I'll have a new life. Father, we thank You for the day. We thank You for the many blessings of life. God, we pray that something's been said or done here this evening, Lord, that would have eternal benefits for someone. God, if there's somebody here lost, I pray, God, that they wouldn't leave here in that condition. 
God, I pray that needs would be met here tonight. Lord, you know the hearts of each and every person here. God, we don't. But Lord, I pray that you'd have your will in your way. You say your word would go out and be like bread cast on the waters and not return void. And God, I pray that your word tonight would do the very thing that it's meant to do. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. If you feel led to do so, please give us a review on the platform of your choice. And if you would like to reach out to us further, please email us at wellspringtabernaclenc at gmail.com. Until next week, may God bless you.